This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to the episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael recording this immediately after the Jets scraped by the Jacksonville Jaguars went in 26 to 21. And I know the fan base was split pretty much half and half. A lot of fans wanted them to lose and secure the higher draft pick and other fans wanted them to win and, you know, build some positive momentum towards the end of the season for this young team. Uh, where did you fall going into this game and how do you feel uh, after it's over? Yeah, I think going into it, I was, in terms of rooting, sort of an apathetic mentality. It's like I was just going to watch and react if something fun happened, like the Zach Wilson run. I was flipping out for that one. But I didn't really come into it with much of an active rooting interest for either side. I think I had lost the motivation to root for wins because it was enticing to try and move up and potentially into the top two, get either Kayvon or Hutchinson. But I also wasn't going to actively root for a loss like I definitely was at points last year just because the stakes aren't as high when you're, you know, when you're trying to get a quarterback like you were last year, I think that's when you really want to, when tanking actually can be beneficial. But this year, I think it, it can be to an extent, but not quite as much to quarterback. So I didn't really have a huge interest either way. I just want to see the young players play well, would be okay with a loss or a win. But I will be completely honest when it came down, when it came down to it at the end and the Jaguars had the ball goal to go, I'd already seen a performance from Zach Wilson that I really liked and I think is might be his second best of the year after the uh, Eagles game. Um, at that point, I was probably rooting, I was definitely rooting for the Jaguars to punch again, to punch it in. I'll be honest. I think at that point, from my perspective, I had seen what I wanted to see. I would have just, you know, if the Jaguars score in a bunch of practice squad guys, whoever's wearing number one at safety, Nathan Shepard, that doesn't really matter for the future. And you can move up and get a potentially game-changing pass rusher. That's where I was by the end of the game. But with the way it played out, I'm not necessarily mad about it. It's not a huge deal, but I, I will be honest that near the end of the game, I was kind of hoping the Jaguars would punch it in. Yeah, let me first say that, one, you never know how the draft is actually going to play, uh, play out in April. I mean, if you go back to 2018, we all thought there was no chance that Darnold would go anything other than the first overall pick, and he fell. We all thought Leonard Williams wasn't going to fall to the Jets at six, and he did. Jamal Adams, like, you just never know. So even if the Jets end up picking three or four, there's still a chance that one of those top two edge rushers falls to the Jets just if, you know, the Lions want to take a quarterback, if another player really rises up the, the ranks. There's just no way of knowing. And like you said, you know, last year was much more important because it was to get the quarterback. 
Um, and, you know, obviously the Jets won a few games and didn't get Trevor Lawrence, but they still were able to secure a top um, quarterback prospect. This year it's a little different. I mean, the edge rusher is super important. There's certainly a talent gap at the moment from the top two guys for the rest of the, the class uh, at all positions. So that win, a loss would have been beneficial to, to get that Jets another edge rusher. You could put JFM inside. You get Carl Lawson back. Like, I get the whole argument. I think the thing I'm kind of feeling is, it was just so close to being the perfect scenario. And in my head, it was like, if the Jets were going to win, I, I wish it was that Zach Wilson, you know, punched it in that they got that touchdown or that they blew the Jaguars out or that Zach Wilson had a really good statistical day. I agree with you. I think Zach Wilson had a great day. I think he again had another game that was better than what the stat sheet might show. Um, and especially in the context of missing, you know, receivers and offensive linemen and tight. I mean, he, he had and his head coach, he certainly had an uphill battle today, even if he was playing Jacksonville. Uh, and I thought he played well, but I, I would have liked to see him punch it. in if they were going to win it uh, instead of, you know, they had to settle for three in the Jaguars drive 80 yards, get inside the five. And it's like Mosley drops interception. The Jaguars are, are running it in a two minute drill for no reason. They're getting dumb penalties. They're spiking it on third down. I mean, the Jaguars kind of choked the game away at the end. And so that's to me is part of the reason I think I was, kind of upset towards the end because it was like you know at this point just let them let the Jaguars win it you got a good performance from Zach Wilson and the young guys and they get the high pick but you know how miserable do we have to be as a fan base uh, and, and I take a lot of ownership for myself you know I was pretty upset after this game Michael can, can attest to it but I mean it's like I don't want to be that miserable where I'm upset that the Jets won you know a, a game against an inferior opponent it's like look they've doubled their their win total from last year uh, obviously, I posted that video on uh, from Lisa Wilson's story where Zach Wilson gave the uh, the waitress and her son, who's a massive Jets fan, two tickets to the game. And so that that kid got to go see the Jets play a good game. Obviously, Zach got to be Trevor Lawrence. Like, there's still a lot of positives to take out of this. Um, and, you know, they, they fought through a lot of adversity. Ron Middleton got a, got a win as a head coach. Like, there's there are positive things to take out of it. It's hard not to be pessimistic and recognize the – you know, just because the Jets have missed out on Nick Bosa and last year they missed out on Trevor Lawrence, et cetera. But I'm going to be, I'm going to choose to be happy. I still think there's plenty of good draft prospects at the top of that. And if Joe Douglas is worth his salt as a GM, he's going to find the Jets a stud at picking a three, four, five, whatever they pick at. Um, Michael, I mean, you mentioned Zach Wilson. You thought he had a great game. Statistically, it wasn't there. I mean, he barely touched the ball in the, in the second quarter and um, there were some plays maybe left on the field, a lot of drops by Jets receivers, near interceptions. But I agree with you. Overall, I thought he he's looked much better since coming back from injury. I, what did you see from Zach Wilson today that has you so encouraged? Yeah, I feel like in this game, the box score is really misleading. He only put up 102 passing yards, only 4.6 yards in attempt. But I think we're continuing to see that growth in terms of him being able to do the easy stuff work within the flow of the offense again I feel like he made the easy throws uh, very accurately and we know this isn't the most amazing thing in the world to praise that he can make screen passes but for this particular player it is an important step in his development it is something that he was struggling with a lot earlier in the season so to see him making these screen passes uh, with perfect placement not just completing them but putting them in the spot they need to be to where the receiver can run through it and get the most out of it is definitely progress for him. And then in the running aspect of the game, you know, four carries, 91 yards, the 52-yard touchdown was an incredible play. Um, it's it's getting to the point with his rushing where it's not just, okay, he had a couple nice runs in this game, he snuck in a touchdown or whatever. 
we're actually seeing it start to turn into a legitimate weapon. He's making people miss and he's getting more out of runs than he's supposed to. And it's starting to look like that can be a legitimate part of his game. He's now got four rushing touchdowns on the season. So um, it, it's definitely starting to look like something he should be more willing to go to on those outside the pocket plays. If nobody's open deep, go ahead and take it yourself. And it, it's been the, the, the thing that makes it really impressive is that he's doing it when he's supposed to. He's not just taking off because he doesn't have the confidence to throw. He's running because nobody's open in this offense right now with the three starting receivers out and nobody's separating. So he's running when it's the right time to run and it's the best available option. And then he's showing uh, potential to be a very good playmaking running quarterback with his ability to make people miss. And he's showing pretty good speed as well. Apparently he hit 19 miles an hour on that touchdown run. So um, I really liked his poise and his comfort in this game. And those have been the themes the past few weeks, other than the, New Orleans game where he's just starting to look a lot more comfortable and work within the flow of the offense more efficiently. And we're starting to see the big plays come out more with this big run outside the pocket. Um, And even the play that Connor McDermott was just, that was a really good throw, you know, placing that back shoulder away from the defender. So we're starting to see those things come out more now that he's being able to execute the easy stuff and put himself in position to have favorable down and distance and to have rhythm and a groove going. So I think there were a lot of steps forward in this game, regardless of the the stats not being that amazing. And I think the drops kind of lowered his passing yards too. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've, always, I've, I've been surprised this year that he hasn't used his legs more. Uh, obviously different builds, but Josh Allen, that's something he's relied upon his entire career, especially as a rookie. And Allen's always going to be a more successful runner. He's just a bigger kid. You can argue more athletic, but Wilson is a supremely athletic quarterback. You saw him do it at BYU a lot. I, I understand the urge to look to throw first, and that's certainly what you would prefer. But there were times throughout the entire season where he's had those lands and he just hasn't taken them or where he could have gotten more yards and he's gone down prematurely, which isn't always the worst case in the world, especially since he's been coming off a knee injury. Um, but this game, I, I agree with you. I was, I was glad to see him use his legs and you really got to see that that is a actual aspect of his game. Um, and, and even going back to last week, I think you got to see a little bit of it in the pocket as well. Cause I thought week one, when you watched him, one of the things that really stood out to me was how shifty he was in the pocket, how many defenders he made miss, um, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. And then I think, you know, I know he got injured in that game and you didn't really see as much the, the ensuing weeks, but I thought last week against Miami, you saw him make multiple defenders miss behind the line of scrimmage this week. Uh, it happened a few times, but more so down the field, he was able to show that elusiveness. So I, I was definitely pleased by that. I thought he had a number of great throws. I thought he did a really good job of managing the game. Like, look, it's, it's obviously it's Jacksonville. They're not the hardest team in the world, but when you look at what the Jets were trotting out there offensively, I mean, he made Braxton Berrios look like, you know, Wes Welker. I mean, Braxton Berrios is legitimately, and we're going to talk about him in a second, but is making a legitimate case that he should be back here next year and play. I'm not saying he should be a starter, but he should be playing next year. Um, so I'm thoroughly impressed with this performance with Zach Wilson. I like that he got to outplay Trevor Lawrence. So that is certainly makes it sweeter. Um you know, and even for people who are upset about losing uh, the, the high draft pick, it's still nice to see your young quarterback outplay the other young quarterback you potentially could have had um, because Zach Wilson, he's not the only thing that matters, but he's a huge part of, of whether or not the Jets are going to be a good team in the next few years. And I didn't think Trevor Lawrence was awful. I thought he made some great plays, but 
He certainly made some boneheaded mistakes, especially on that last drive, and he cost him. And so Zach Wilson outplayed him, and, and I take solace in that. Um, but talking about Braxton Berrios, I mean, this is a guy who clearly was snubbed by the Pro Bowl, uh, is is hung around the Jets the last few years, and is you know, made plays the last two seasons, but he's always kind of been viewed as maybe, you know, wide receiver, sixth depth guy, backup slot, you know, comes in at the end of the season when guys are injured, nothing, just a guy. Um, but I will say this season, he's been legitimately impressive, especially on special teams, had the touchdown today and he's proven himself to be a capable, you know, capable receiver. He was, and I know they, the announcers always like to mention this, but he was, he was Zach Wilson's favorite receiver earlier in the season. Obviously, he went to Corey Davis a lot, but he was hitting Braxton Berrios a lot when, when Crowder was out of here. And it seems like they have a lot of chemistry uh, between them. What were your thoughts on Braxton Berrios and, and his future with this team? Yeah, I, I think it was a nice performance. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. I like Braxton Berrios a lot, but I don't know. I feel like there's sort of a notion that he's been I, – I just think he's being overrated a little bit. I think he's been solid. I think he's done a nice job when he's gone in there and he's done his role. He's played his role effectively on, um, on those gadget plays end arounds coming emotion, things like that. But on the kickoff return in particular, and he did a good job. I'm not, I mean, I am downplaying it, but not a lot, but let's give some credit to the blocking. I feel like we never give any credit to the blocking on big returns that he didn't have to make anyone miss on that return. And again, he still did a good job finding the hole. He's very good speed, but Blocking that play is really good. I just want to point that out. But um, it will be interesting yeah. to see. Well, okay, do you have a counterpoint? I do have a counterpoint. Well, I think I get what you're saying. And I think Andre Roberts is a great guy to remember. Because, if you know, in 2018, he had a great season for the Jets. And the Jets didn't – they opted not to resign him. He signed to the Buffalo. Uh, and he, you know, for the la- – he's not at this pace anymore. But the, la- the, the two seasons following that, he had some good – uh, seasons on special teams. I think Barrios is a guy where it's like you can rely on him in special teams. How many times has he muffed a punt? I mean, he has very safe hands back there. He is explosive, and you can rely on him and rely on him as a as depth at receiver. So it's like I'm not saying he's should be getting anything above five million a year next season. I think he's going to make under that, and potentially only going to make you know two or three million a year. But he's certainly a guy I would bring back. It seems like a high character guy, strong locker room guy, and. It's yeah. proven to be good depth. So I, I don't know. I, I know you're, I know what you're saying. A lot of it's blocking, but he certainly has proven to be elusive and fast. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I'm most, I'm mostly just talking about the kickoff return. It, it was a good play, but I, I think there's just a difference between that kind of kickoff return and when it's mostly the returner making people miss, right. but never, nevertheless, I think he's definitely a guy who they should look into re-signing. How much will be interesting. I do think maybe some fans overrate him a little bit because at the end of the day, I like him, but would you sign another team's good returner with 300 receiving yards to that lucrative of a deal? I don't know. Probably not. But again, I, I think he's a good fit, a good depth piece. Uh, he brings a lot of special teams value. He's throughout all three years of his career now been an efficient punt returner, rarely muffs it. Like you said, um, kickoff returning was not something he offered the first two years, but this year he's obviously been great, was already leading the league in yards per kickoff return coming into this game. And then now he's obviously going to maintain that with the 102 yarder on there. So um, for sure, I like to see them extend him, but uh, we'll see how much that is. Is it going to be three per year, four per year, five? Um, that would be an interesting question to ask, but I, I think he's the guy who has shown he fits in with everything the Jets are doing, both offensively and on special teams 
uh, pretty well, but we'll see what that price is that they extend him to. Because I personally don't want to go too overboard because I just think as a wide receiver, he's not that great. He's a good backup, but you know, there's a price cap for a good backup. So uh, right. we'll, we'll see what it comes to, but he's definitely a person right. who I think should be a priority to extend. Yeah. And you have to remember, he's also part of the same uh, waiver claim uh, as John Franklin Myers. I mean, that was, they were brought in at the same time, uh, part of Joe Douglas's first few moves here as being a GM. And uh, I think he's going to want to reward him. I think I'm not saying he's going to get in a crazy contract, but I do think he fits what this offense is trying to do. Like you said, he's done some good things. I think he'll be brought back uh, and the Jets certainly have enough cap to do so. I think I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do with Jameson Crowder, because I think you can make an argument that they should bring him back because I think he's a veteran, reliable hands, always done his job. Uh, he seemed to develop some sort of chemistry with Zach Wilson during the season, but it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you let him go and Barrios has a little bit bigger of a role, but I think receiver is going to be a big priority for the Jets. And so I'm fascinated to see what they do, but I think Barrios is a guy you can rely on as, as depth and, uh, contributor on special teams. I, I want to talk to you about Michael Carter as well. Um, obviously we got to see him back in action and I think he is turned into my favorite jet. Uh, I have to be honest. I, I think I got a Zach Wilson Jersey for Christmas. I know you got a, a John Frank Meyer Jersey, but I think Michael Carter could be next. Uh, I don't love the number 32, but outside of that, I mean, he is uh, uh, everything and more. We thought he could be as a running back and you just see the difference in last year when we were trying to, and I, I know we brought this up, when we were trying to talk about the positives of like LaMichael P Ryan, you can just see the difference in Michael Carter that it's like, it doesn't, if he gets good blocking, he's going to take it 40 yards. If he has bad blocking though, he's going to get back to the line of scrimmage and probably get you some positive yards. So he has just been a, a true stud. And the fact that they got him in the fourth round, that's what kind of softens the blow about this whole, like, you know, did they lose, uh, did they miss out on the top two edge guys? It's like the jets have the potential here to have, four picks in the top 40 of the draft. I mean, that's four starters right there. That's four rookie starters right there that add to this defense and this offense. And the fact that they got a guy like Michael Carter in the fourth round just gives me all the optimism that they can, they can find some pieces with that, uh, with those picks. Cause Carter uh, to me has been, uh, has been lights out as a rookie. And I hope I'm hoping we'll see COVID permitting that next year will be, or next year, next week will be the first time we get to see more, Carter, AVT, and Wilson all on the field at the same time. They should all be back. We'll see how COVID impacts things, but we should hopefully get two games to end the season with all four of those guys playing at the same time. Uh, just, I, I know we, we've talked about Michael Carter a lot, but I, I thought it was, again, another great performance from him and Tevin Coleman uh, bringing, bringing some juice in the run game. Yeah, Carter's been, I think that's what's really promising is what you said about how he runs relative to the blocking. We've seen when the blocking has been really good, he's had the speed to have breakout runs. Like he had the 38 yarder in this game, but when the blocking hasn't been good, he's been able to outperform that and get four yards on a run where most other running backs get zero or even get zero on a run where most other backs would lose four. And he's added a lot of value in that way with his elusiveness. And it's, it's just a big difference from some of the other running backs that we've hyped up. You know, you think back to Elijah McGuire, the Michael P Ryan last year and, uh, it just seemed like this. It seems like this is different with Carter that he actually has legitimate star caliber ability in terms of having game breaking traits to where he can be a guy who can star for you for a long time and really be a game changer. And other than just being, you know, here's a young running back who scored some touchdowns. No, he's actually a guy who has elite skills that he brings to the table with his elusiveness uh, and his vision 
and his ability to contribute in the passing game. So um, it, it's been really good to see. And like you said, hopefully COVID permitting, we can get Carter, Elijah Moore, AVT, Zach Wilson all on the field next week for the first time in uh, for the first time, at least since Zach Wilson came back. Um, and since Michael Thor kind of hit his groove post bye week. So it would be great to see what they can do against a really good Tampa Bay defense with all those guys in the field together. Before we get to the negatives, because I do want to see what you didn't like from this game. Were there anybody else that stood out to you when you were watching this game offense or defense that you think deserves a, a, a shout out for their performance? Well, I have to say out of all, all the random guys who are playing on defense today, uh, Will Parks, I thought made some good plays. Uh, number yep, 39. Definitely. Yep, definitely. Um, other than that, though, uh, I don't know. This is it didn't really feel like there were that many amazing individual performances in this one. Uh, Tevin Coleman did run the ball pretty well, um, but I thought this was just a lot of Zach Wilson and Michael Carter making plays today. Uh, I do think the O-line, though, was actually pretty good, even considering all the injuries they dealt with. Absolutely. Uh, I thought, thought they did some nice things. Yeah, I mean, the Jets ran for like 270 yards, so the O-line definitely deserves credit, especially with the injuries that they faced. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do with that unit. You know, I know now if the, if the Jets don't pick top two, they're in Evan Neal territory, the, the right tackle from Alabama. And it's like, do you take a tackle top five? Obviously, he's supremely ta- talented. Um, but then it's like, what do you do with George Fant? Uh, I, I am curious before we talk about, more about this game. I'm curious, what would be your thoughts that the Jets had taken Evan Neal? Let's say Joe Douglas falls in love with him. He thinks he's a, a rock at right tackle for years to come. Would you be mildly upset with that pick? Would you like the pick? I, I put out a, a tweet um, about 30 minutes ago that just said, you know, had Kyle Hamilton, Evan Neal, George Karlaftis, and Derek Stingley. And I just, those are kind of the four guys that you'll see to mock the Jets at that pick uh, over the next few weeks. And I just said, you know, which one? And I got a lot of people saying Evan Neal, which kind of surprised me. Um, not, not saying that O-line certainly shouldn't be a priority, but I thought that the O-line has been relatively good this year. I'm not, maybe not good. It's been okay this year. I think it certainly needs some upgrades, but are there bigger needs that you'd like to see the Jets address with a top five pick? What would be your thoughts on, on taking a guy like Evan Neal top five? I mean, I, I don't think it would be my top choice. I think there are a few other things I'd rather do, but I think that's a type of pick where you just have to trust the evaluation of the front office because it would sort of be a luxury pick because ideally you have Becton and Fant healthy and those should be two good tackles for you. But I think the only reason you're making that pick is a lack of trust in Makai Becton's health. So it's a very hit or miss sort of pick, I think, because if Becton does prove to be a guy who you can't rely on health-wise, and you have Evan Neal sitting there ready to take over for him, and he plays great and locks that spot down, you know, then you're good to go. And that turns out to be a fantastic pick. And, you know, a pick that if you don't make, you're stuck with a disaster because Becton can't stay healthy. Now who's your tackle? And you have to go into next year looking for another new tackle. And fans' contract expires, and you got to deal with that as well. So it can solve right. a lot of problems if Becton does not pan out. But I think the risk is that, you know, if Becton does pan out, now you sort of have a logjam of tackles, but I guess even in that situation, you would at least have the luxury of now you have three really good tackles. So I think you would prefer to trade one of them because I think you could probably get more value out of trading Neil or Fant. Uh, or, or, keep, prob- or, or keep yeah, Fant go ahead, as, go ahead. 
or keep fan as injury insurance for Beckton because even if, yeah, or, you know, or that too, but I, I just, I guess I just think the risk would be, you know, what if Beckton's okay? And now we have three good tackles and we sort of have a surplus here, whereas we could have had a contributor somewhere else. I guess that's sort of the risk yeah. you take, but at least in that situation, you know, you have a trade asset, but um, I would probably rather just bank on Beckton's health. I know it's risky, but bank on that and try to improve somewhere else because I think, people are kind of overlooking Becton's talent level because of the injury issues. I think if he's healthy, he's absolutely a player that is worthy of being a long-term left tackle. But um, if they like Evan Neal enough and they know more about Becton's medicals than we do, um, then absolutely. I think you should trust their judgment in going for that. Well, the few factors there is one. Yeah. Their level of confidence in Becton, not just his injury history, but it, it didn't appear to him that he was having a great training camp. He'd seen that too, struggling. Right. And we overlooked it at the time, but we also overlooked them criticizing Denzel Mims and them criticizing Zach Wilson and this defense as a whole. And it's like, you know, I'm not saying training camp practices are the end all be all, but it certainly should be a factor. He wasn't having a good summer, according to the beat writers. And there's the injury questions. The other question mark is, can George Fant play right tackle to the level that he's playing left tackle? Cause he's said himself that he's more, comfortable at left tackle and the tape certainly backs that up so then it's like are you trying to play fan at left tackle and beckton at right tackle so that there are there are question marks at right tackle um and i think the one thing we learned uh, we keep learning every single year is that teams do not or good teams don't draft just based off need they're going to draft the best player available but the best player for their teams the jets are going to draft the best player for the new york jets if they think that's evan neal they're going to do it um but they're not going to just draft and be like okay hey we need a corner so let's take a corner they're going to draft the positions that they feel are um of high value and the best players on their board i really like kyle hamilton but i do worry about taking a safety that high because of the positional value but you look at what i know i said this last week but you look at what michael parsons has done for dallas it's like there's no reason that a unicorn player like kyle hamilton can't do that safety is a big need it's a big factor in this defense so that's kind of where i'm at right now is i like carl aftis i like hamilton um i'd be interested in a trade down we'll see on Evan Neal. I don't want Stingley. That's how I feel about the draft. Uh, I am curious though, who did you think was, or I guess what position groups and which players were underwhelming today? I thought there were plenty of miscues. Obviously the Jets, the Jets left a lot of points on the board. They're being hyper aggressive. They honestly didn't make too many mistakes on the, uh, or I didn't feel like the, the decisions to go for it were necessarily mistakes, even if they left play call uh, play points on the field. I thought the play calls could have been better. Um, but I, I agree with Ron Milton's kind of aggressiveness on fourth down, especially in the context of the, of the game. Um, I thought the, the pass rush was pretty bad. Um, the corners left some stuff to be desired, but they also made some good plays towards the end. So who knows, Michael, what did you feel? Who was unimpressive to you um, today? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the receivers. I think for the second game in a row, they're, separation was really bad and there were some drops but it's mostly the separation like there were those uh back-to-back goal-to-go plays i believe at the end of the second quarter where there was just nothing for zach wilson to do with the football and there are a lot of times the quarterback will hold the ball too long and throw it away take a sack whatever and it's a play you can blame on them because there's an option for them to throw to somebody but zach wilson's had a lot of plays recently where there has just been nothing for him to do because nobody's open. Uh, So they've really missed Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. And then in this game, Jameson Crowder. And that's also, you know, talking more about Barrios. He's been playing a lot the past couple of weeks and he hasn't 
separated that much either. Um, in this game, he had five catches for 37 yards playing the majority of the game. So, um, and, and again, I, he's a good depth piece, but I think that it is worth considering that I think there's been a consistent drop-off when he's played compared to Crowder, um, but it's more than Barrios. Denzel Mims had another very bad game separating. Keelan Cole had another game where he was put into a starting role and didn't do much of anything, only two catches for 25 yards in this game. So uh, I think that came to mind first, but the pass rush was also pretty bad, but that's predictable. They didn't have uh, Quinn in, they didn't have Foley, JFM. So you kind of expected that wasn't going to be good. Uh, Brandon Eccles kind of it felt like he had a down game after the rookie of the week performance last week. Uh, had the penalty quick question, early quick on. Question, quick yeah. question. Do no other fan bases vote for rookie of the week? Because every time a Jets player has been listed, it feels like we blow him out of the wall. I mean, there was I was voting for Brandon Eccles, and he literally had 100% of the vote with you know, yeah, like I saw 10 that. hours in. <laughs> it's like, what's I, going I mean, on there? Maybe. I think it's just because we're the only fan base that would actually care that much about this because we don't have anything else to be invested in. So, <laughs> Or maybe Jets fans are just that amazing. That's also possible. Probably the first one. Probably. I mean, I, I, I think other fan bases are more focused on playoff pictures and you know things that matter we, we want to uh, be in the in the hunt graphic like you we want to win something but next next year in the hunt graphic i feel like we've been saying that for so long though and we didn't even come close this year but uh we'll get there well i, I think and you know this is to turn a you know non-serious point into somewhat serious point i think the thing to remember um and we talked about this this week it was like you know, you look at the 49ers in 2018, obviously Garoppolo gets injured. They lose enough games to get number two. They take Bose to the next year in the Super Bowl. And that does happen. And there, there's a chance that a player like Kayvon or Aiden Hutchinson, who, by the way, could still fall to three or four, wherever the Jets are picking, um, could add so much of an impact in the Jets that would up their win total by quite a bit. And that's In this system, that's not outside their own possibility. But for most teams, look at like Cincinnati, when you bottom out like the Jets did in 2020, the next year you're looking to win, you know, four to six games. I think I think I had us winning, you know, six or seven games. You would have hoped that they would hit five. Maybe they maybe they'll steal an upset and they will. Um, and then the year after that, then you're winning eight or nine games. And the year after that, there's a gradual progression. There are many times where you go worst to first like that. There are many times you go two games. Um, or in this, you know, in, in the example of, of this year, where it's like if they lose, they're picking number two. They only win three games this year, and then next year they're winning ten games. Like the, the chances that happen, I feel like are lower than the chances of the Jets winning four or five and then getting up to to eight or nine next year. Um, even with a, a player as good as Kayvon or Aiden Hutchinson or whatever being available with those those top two picks, it is a gradual improvement, and I think you'll see that. I'm excited to see how they play over the next two weeks. I really hope that. They don't get blown out. I really hope they have two competitive games here against Tampa Bay and, and Buffalo. Both teams are, are, are still playing for something. You know, I'm hoping for the dream scenario. I, I wish Buffalo didn't win today because the dream scenario is that we could get a chance to knock Buffalo out of the playoffs in week 17, which is, which is unlikely going on the road against a much better team, but maybe we could get some payback for 2015. That would have been nice. At least give some sort of investment um, to our season, but I think the goal for the next two weeks is play tight, competitive football. Maybe you can steal an upset. That would be great if you could do it against Buffalo, but just play good football. You know, you know what? If, I'll ask you this. If you could choose to win one of these next two games, which one would you choose? Would you rather beat 
Tom Brady, and it might probably the last time I, I've, we've been saying this forever, but it'll probably be the last time the Jets will ever play Tom Brady is this Sunday. Um, assuming he doesn't play until he's 50, like he hopes. You also, I guess you beat Todd Bowles. I don't really have a lot of ill will toward, towards Todd Bowles, but you get the Todd Bowles revenge game. Or would you rather beat the Bills division rival? Let's say it doesn't knock him out of the playoffs, though. So both games doesn't knock him out of the playoffs. Would you rather beat Tom Brady in his last game against the Jets, or would you beat the division rival uh, and a team that you're going to face twice a year um, for the next four years? Uh, I, I think I'll take the Tampa Bay game just because the Buffalo beating Buffalo would kind of have the mixed feeling of you're also kind of paving the way for the paths at the same time. That's so. I think I would just take the Brady win, but I still would like to see a win in both games to close the year, because just imagine you can get that. Say they win these next two games, you win six games this year, you close with wins over Brady and Josh Allen and, you know, forget the quarterbacks, just two really good teams. Um, Then I think at that point you could start to look at, and obviously this is really optimistic. They barely beat the Jaguars, but, but still, and from a rooting perspective, what you're hoping to accomplish, um, then I think at that point you could feel really good about, okay, they did step forward this year. Um, but even if they don't win, just to stay competitive against them would be good, especially after they got on their own field uh, destroyed by the bills the last time they played. So I think this team is making, they have been more competitive recently that a few weeks back, they're getting blown out every single week. And that's all we wanted to see. And they have started to do that a little bit more recently. Not against the greatest competition, um, but you know, I think this is these two teams to close the year gives them a really good opportunity to, you know, not necessarily you know winning would be great, but just to play against two very good teams um, and test yourselves against them. Well, from Miami to Jacksonville, the first game against Miami, we said that was going to be the, the easiest part of the Jets' schedule. That six-game stretch, and it certainly looked that way. I think you've seen some of the, the better Jets moments. Obviously, the Bengals game and the Titans game stick out. But this, I think, like you said, is they were getting blown out a lot earlier in the season. And since that that second or that first Bills game, you haven't really seen it, um, even if they haven't put together, you know, the most competitive games. I'm thinking of the New Orleans one. Uh, I think you're right. I think I'd like to see at least one of these games, make it close, make it interesting. The biggest thing is can Zach Wilson put together two good games? I would prefer to have one great game, one game that is – you know, legitimately good by box score metrics. I think that's probably more likely to be this Sunday at home, as opposed to on the road in Buffalo, probably in the snow. Um, I think, I think this Sunday is the last chance maybe for, for Zach Wilson to put together a legitimately good box score performance. And I know that's not the most important thing in the world, but you do want to see him put it together completely. I, I really would have liked to see if the Jets are going to win this game for him to punch it in. That's my only regret, I guess I would say from this win. You'd be like, I wish the Jets could have just punched it in for six. Um, I'd like to see that. I, obviously the young guys get to play together. Um, I would be so sweet to be Tom Brady. Though, I will say, I, I, I'm just now realizing that, that it probably will be the last time they play Tom Brady. So that would be very, very sweet to, that'll be a nice new year's or Christmas gift is if the Jets can beat Tom Brady in that last, the last meeting. And then we're set for the offseason. So two weeks, I guess you should enjoy it. Um, I, I, we're done for cheering for losses. The next two games, because they're teams that are outside the Jets' realm of competition, we're cheering for wins. If they beat a, a Super Bowl contender over the next two weeks, you can't be upset, even if it costs them a draft pick. Um, 
So I'm feeling good, Michael. How about you? I think I think this was therapeutic. After the game, I'll admit I was pretty upset. And it's like, how miserable do I want to be? How am I really going to be upset about a win to miss out on an edge rusher that may or may not be good? I'll I'll save my pain until October, November of next year when those edge rushers are doing well. And then I can just tweet out the photo of, of Connor McDermott spiking the football after his touchdown. Um but yeah, I, guess we'll- I mean, like, like I'm not upset about it. It's what I would have preferred, but only slightly. So it not happening is not the worst thing in the world to me. But ultimately, it's just about Zach Wilson, and he played well. So that that's really what dictates my mood after a game more so than win or loss. Yeah, and it could- I, I think we got that. It could have been worse. They could have won with Zach Wilson not playing well. That would have been the worst case scenario. But Zach Wilson played well. He outplayed Trevor Lawrence. The Jets got the win. Got to look at the positive people. Uh, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Myself at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Michael, last words. Um, so I guess we got to talk about the uniforms. That's oh, basically God. what that's basically what this segment is. Um, okay. uh, I like them in this game. Okay. You well, you brought up an interesting point where you said something like uh, you thought MetLife looked really good today. I was kind of trying to understand <laughs> what you were talking about, but I didn't really grasp it. Nobody will be able to grasp it. These Michael, th- those conversations are make no sense. They are for the people who have nothing else. We have no wins to cheer for. We have nothing good to cheer for about this team. So yeah, we focus on the uniform. I thought the lighting looked cool. That's what I said. It wasn't a big deal. I just said I thought the lighting looked cool in the game. I, I like towards the end of the season when those 1 p.m. games towards the end where, especially with these helmets, where it starts to look more like a nighttime game just because these helmets look so great under the lights. That was all I was saying. But yeah, uniforms okay. are good. I don't know. All right. Well, we got we got two more games left to go. I'm going to enjoy them. I hope Zach Wilson plays well. That's all you can cheer for. Um, we appreciate everybody for listening. Don't don't be too upset about the draft pick. If you want to cheer yourself up, go to a, the Jets the Jets X Factor offseason simulator. See how much better we can make this team in one offseason with free agency and draft picks. Even if the Jets are picking number four, um, that that should cheer you up because I think this team is, has a big offseason ahead of them. They always seem to have a big offseason ahead of them, but this one more than others, I think you're going to see a very aggressive one. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I guess we'll get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Happy holidays. We'll be back in the middle of the week with another mailbag. Maybe we'll do a mock draft, Michael. Maybe, maybe a little, uh, maybe, first, maybe, maybe a first round mock draft. Who knows? All right. Stay tuned. Have a good one. Thanks for listening.